Today's program has been brought to you by Fairway Market, like no other market, a New York City institution that sells the best local, national, and international artisan foods for prices that can't be beat. For more information, visit fairwaymarket.com. I'm Laura Stanley, host of Inside School Food. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today we're coming to you live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. You can listen to After the Jump live at our new time every Wednesday at 1 p.m. on heritageradionetwork.org or download the podcast on iTunes anytime. Before we get started, I just wanted to make a quick note. This is the fifth anniversary of Heritage Radio Network, and we're starting our annual membership drive. This is a wonderful station to be a part of that offers not just After the Jump free every week, but 35 other excellent shows about a wide range of topics. So if you like this show or any of the other ones that you listen, please, please con- consider visiting heritageradionetwork.org to make a donation today. Today's show marks the 79th episode of After the Jump. All season long, I've been speaking with designers, artists, writers, and business owners who've shared their advice on everything from risk-taking and productivity to inspiration, branding, and running an ethical business. We've been able to dive into so many great topics that celebrate and examine the here and now, but I want to take a step forward and focus on the future. Today's episode is all about growth, namely, how do you grow a business and stay true to the original soul of your idea, and how do you stay relevant in today's online world without getting overwhelmed? I'm thrilled to be joined today by Matt Lewis and Renato Poliofito, co-founders of Baked Bakery in Brooklyn, and soon to be in Manhattan, too. Thanks for being here, guys. Thank Thank you. (laughs) Baked will celebrate its 10th birthday next January, and over the past few years, I have so enjoyed watching my favorite bakery grow from a neighborhood must to a national and international success, including being one of Oprah's favorite treats on her Oh, list. You have not only grown your bakery success, but you've also written best-selling cookbooks, four of them, and released a line of baking dishes and baked uh, mixes with William Sonoma. And you two certainly know a thing or two about growing a business. So I am so excited to hear how you've grown your business and how to make it big and exciting and a household name at this point by still staying true to who you are. So let's start back at that beginning for a minute. How did each of you meet? Oh, gosh. You want me to start? Okay. Start with you, Renata. um, I met Matt, uh, well, previously we were both in advertising. So I was uh, an art director. Matt was a project manager. Um, This was way back in the... (laughs) Skills ages ago. Early aughts. (laughs) Early, early aughts. And um, uh, we kind of worked on a couple of projects together. And then we kind of left our respective jobs there. And Matt actually opened up a chocolate shop. And I went on to uh, design websites, you know, freelance, and I designed the website for his chocolate shop. And he knew that I had wanted to kind of jump into that business, open up a coffee shop. He had aspirations about opening up a bakery. So we started talking and I was getting experience managing another coffee shop, trying to figure out if it was going to be something I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Fortunately, it was. And um, (laughs) then we kind of merged ideas. He said, let's, you know, I want to open up a bakery with a coffee shop component. Would you be interested in jumping in? And that's kind of how Baked was born. And then we just kind of ran from there and haven't stopped running. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, how did you choose Red Hook? You know, uh, Red Hook, I was fairly close to where I live. I live in Dumbo. um, And I used to go there 
quite a bit prior to opening Baked. I just thought it was a really cool neighborhood. It's cut off from mass transportation for those people that don't know. Um, it's not really easy to get to at all from the subway. And it has one bus service. So great there was place to start a bakery. Exactly. Great place to start a bakery. I thought, you High know, traffic. two things. One, it still had like a neighborhood feel, mm-hmm. but also it was really, really cheap. Yeah. Um, and it gave us a lot of room to kind of grow and plan and experiment and kind well, of like a lab. Almost. And also figure things out because we were both really new to it. Matt had the, the chocolate shop for, I mean, how many years was it? Like three two, years, two or three years. Yeah. So he was still relatively new to it, but a bakery is a much grander concept. And, um, so if it was a complete disaster, no one would have known. Yeah. We could have you sl- slinked back in. I mean, this was all prior to like the social media, you know, boom. boom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was reading your website in preparation for this going through. I always like to see what part of a business's story people choose to put on their website and what part they don't. And I love that you mentioned that part of your original business plan, um, you described wanting to create a great American bakery that wasn't a cupcake shop. Yes. Um, Although your cupcakes are some of my favorite things that you make. But walk us through what your original goals and hopes for the bakery were back in 2005. I guess um, originally, I mean, I think both Nada really, um, you know, was a little bit of either ahead of the coffee boom or right on the coffee boom in New York when um, we really wanted to add a really cool classic coffee component. And we're working with Stumptown right now. And I wanted to add a bakery and so did Nada that didn't focus just on cupcakes. I felt like people would say, I'd say, what's your favorite bakery? And they'd mention a really cool cupcake place or maybe not a really cool cupcake place <laughs> or a and cupcake but place, i thought yeah. you know i think in the end we both thought why aren't they mentioning a place that serves like great three-layer cakes or chocolate chip cookies or brownies um and i've always had a weird brownie obsession so we wanted to kind of create a, an american bakery that wasn't just about cupcakes without denigrating the cupcake yeah and also um you know uh, remain true to matt and my aesthetic you know we felt that Design-wise, I was coming from a design background. Matt has a strong design, you know, aesthetic. And we felt that a lot of the bakeries, not only being cupcakeries, were clones of each other. And they mm-hmm. were just kind of expanding and expanding and expanding. And, like grandma's yeah, kitchen kind of Yeah, kind of like look. Norman Rockwell aesthetic, and which is fine, but not what we are. So when we set forth, we wanted to have a strong design aesthetic. And at the time, you know, the design, and I still think it, it's, it holds. It holds after a decade. Um we just wanted to be modern and clean and a little more masculine and, you know, something a little different that you wouldn't normally expect to see if you were to walk into a bakery. Mm-hmm. And where were you guys getting your recipes from? Oh, gosh. gosh. <clears throat> they came from everywhere. Um, some of them came from just, like, friends. Uh, one of them actually came from an old employee. Our brownie recipe was actually one of my first employees when I owned the chocolate shop. And she was just this really young, eager girl, eager girl, and she kind of came up with this brownie recipe that we've been using an adaptation ever since. Um, some of them from my grandma, uh, some from Renata's mom. Yeah. We just kind of been playing. You know, it's that weird kind of fun thing you get to play with all these, like, uh, family histories. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Um, well, you guys have grown and expanded so much beyond that. But when you started, did you imagine the history that you have now? I think some people truly do plan out that vision in the beginning. Or were you just kind of aiming to have a sustainable shop that you could do what you loved at? I think I think it was more, for me, it was more of the latter. You know, it's like, for me, it was like every day was a gift, you know, where it's like, as long as we're open and we can keep on going, that's that's all I wanted. Like, if you asked me 10 years ago, can you imagine where you'll be in 10 years? I couldn't. I really, really I agree. Couldn't. I can't imagine where I'll be like in four hours. <laughs> <laughs> what was the, what do you think Matt was the scariest thing about starting the business? 
You know, the scariest thing is you do take on a ton of debt. You also go from, uh, you know, like Nato mentioned, we both came from corporate jobs, corporate jobs that paid pretty well um, Mm -hmm. and provided stability. You trick yourself into thinking I could go into doing something that's completely um, paycheck to paycheck. It's really, really hard to go backwards. Um, And it took us it took us a long while to kind of get used to it. And it, it still was never very comfortable. So that was like the scariest part. I mean, just, you know, you also go from a you know, you worry about paying yourself, but you don't even think about, oh, before I pay myself, I have to pay the phone bill, the internet bill, all these like other things you didn't anticipate. You're always, you're always last on the list. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you, you feel last Last. on the list. (laughs) Um, let's talk about something positive. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What was the first big milestone or moment or to take a cue from Oprah who loves your brownies? What was your O moment that told you that baked was going to make it? Oh gosh! What was your turning point? It might be Oprah, actually. It, Oprah was, <laughs> was that like, weird? Is that our O moment? Is Oprah? You know, I think like the first, yeah, the first big press. Oprah was kind of our first big press, and um, then we did that. Uh, we filmed a show from the Food Network. Uh, I watched that. That was the that very recipe my first, for success, yeah. and that once that aired, and we saw ourselves on television for like an edited, you know, dramatic <laughs> half hour. Um, I was just like, oh my God, this is something, you know, people are paying attention and people started coming in and calling and, and, you know, that set like the, I guess the PR machine rolling and, you know, suddenly people were interested in us. But I think aside from those, seeing people coming back in, like the customers kind of returning and saying, oh my God, you know, I've tried this and now I want to try this, or this is my favorite thing. And I've never had anything like this before. You knew you were onto something. And then it was between me and Matt trying to figure out, it's like, well, how do we, how do we grow this? How do we make more of this and and make sure that we could continue paying ourselves? You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, obviously this is the, this is the magic formula. Since your first very open door day of Baked, how much has Baked grown since you started? How many employees do you have now? How many stores are you going to expand into? What's your current status? Well, we opened up, I think, with like six employees total. That's a good amount of employees. Yeah, Yeah. it was decent. Yeah, I think it was, um, yeah, it was about six. Now we're about 20. Um, And in a few months, we'll be about 50. (laughs) So... It's that's that's, that's a the big, scary part. Yeah. That's, the scary <laughs> that's part. a scary. Do you guys part. have an HR manager? You have- um, you know, it's rapidly forming. We have a GM who is uh, kind of like a catch-all right now. She's doing a little bit of everything, and she is amazing. Like I, I every day I thank her, and I'm like <laughs> I I would be dead without you right now. Um, but she's kind of like putting people in place and trying to figure out who fits where and doing that sort of thing. And we're we're you know, I was telling Matt before we were talking about growing pains, and I feel that this is the first big, true growing pain. Like everything in the past 10 years felt like, yeah, you know, uncomfortable mm-hmm. in this, and we would always call them growing pains. But this is the first time I'm like, wow, this hurts, you know, and this is like, we have to figure a lot of stuff out. And um, so we're in that state right now. That's well, that was going to be my next question. It's about growing pains. Yeah. Aside from sort of the, the HR component, of which I think is probably the most difficult part of growth. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some other growing pains that you've had and what have you learned from them so far? Well, and and by the way, you're right. I totally value like the HR departments that I used to kind of (laughs) not value when I was working in my corporate job. Mm -hmm. Like these people have it so easy. Yeah. No, I mean, they were, they, they're dreams. Um, And I'm glad we have something kind of coming into place. I think, 
you know, the hardest part is, uh, A, we're doing construction right now. Um, doing construction, I think, when we were younger, it, it, it is something. I mean, we are older now. We're also a lot busier than we were. We weren't focused on running our existing business and opening a new one. And then just adding 30 employees. Um, you just. know, we've been really lucky. We've had some really great employees. But, it, you know, finding those great employees is really difficult. Um, and I, I think probably the hardest part for us, really. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of competition. You know, New York, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, has changed so much that, um, you know, I couldn't really afford to move here. So I'm trying to ask somebody to, I'm paying them a very small wage to work in Manhattan is very hard. Um, but you know, it's what the food business is right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, I would love to talk a little bit more about the growing pains that you've had that have resulted in sort of the way you've changed the way you run your business. Have you had any lessons that have made you sort of restructure things a little bit, or maybe change the way you approach that part of your business? Gosh, I mean, I feel like we go through that every week. Like, I feel <laughs> yeah, like we've there's had a couple though. Yeah, we've had. I mean, if you want to m- mention one or two, but I feel like it's part of the business where you approach something. And I think that's what makes a successful business is, you know, your willingness to adapt and change, you know, pivot, pivot, pivot. (laughs) like on a dime. It's like, you know, if something doesn't work, go the other way, you know, figure it out because otherwise it'll, it'll just stay there stagnant and not work and get bigger. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that is super important, but do you have any examples? Um, I mean, two specifics jumped to mind. I think we didn't anticipate doing as much wholesale when we opened, Mm -hmm. um, because wholesale is difficult. You've, you're employing drivers, you're employing, um, people to kind of just manage the wholesale business. And it's not as fun because you don't get to see the intimate customer reaction of selling them directly, but you have to kind of add wholesale when you have a kitchen that's not operational 24 hours a day you need to make it operational 24 hours a day. Um, That would be like our biggest, that was like kind of a a thing that always stood out for me. Um, And it's been successful. We've modified our wholesale to work for us now. Yeah. Whereas before we were just like, anybody will sell whatever, you know. Um, But now it's, yeah, it's, it's an arm of the business where, you know, and I feel like Baked now has multiple arms. I feel like we're kind of like this octopus where, you know, we're working on the bakeware. We're working with William Sonoma. We're working with granola. We're working with and granola would be the other yeah. kind of example. We uh, Whole Foods came in very early on because you know they they really do try to support the local businesses. And they were like, we want to buy a couple of bags of granola, and we were bagging it at the bakery, making it ourselves, bagging it at the bakery, and shipping it out. And we just realized after a while, after they opened their you know, 50th store in the region. This was, uh, you couldn't do it. We'd just become a granola shop. Yeah. So we actually worked really closely uh, with somebody else to kind of manufacture for us. And again, I don't think we, if you told us when we first opened that we'd be, you know, making granola for a couple hundred stores, we'd have, that was not in our business plan. No, no. I, I mean, I think that the, the, what was in our business plan was just to have a bakery and a coffee shop. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then suddenly, you know, Matt's, uh, Matt loves is a the big picture guy, and uh, he has many big pictures in his head. So some of them not so pretty. Yeah, but I mean, it's just like we've we've kind of gone after every, or I'd say a lot of the opportunities that have been presented to us, just just to see how it would work, how it would go through, and you know, some have been successful, some have not been successful, but you know, in a weird way, we've been fortunate enough where 
everything mostly has been successful. Knock on. And now we're just crazy busy. (laughs) (laughs) I think that busyness is always the thing that people have a hard time accepting about growth because I think when they think the business grows, it's successful. I see it everywhere. The owners must be kicking back in the Hamptons somewhere (sighs) just eating their brownies and not working. But your work like load it increases tenfold because you're suddenly responsible for construction and team management and all the different things that you have to handle when you grow so i want to talk a little bit about your day in the life and what that's like but we're going to take a very quick break i'll be right back with matt and renato from baked Harlan Turkel, host of The Food Scene. This summer, Heritage Radio Network is turning five. Since our launch in 2009, we've continued to bring you food and culture content like nobody else, and we need your help. Heritage Radio Network is a passionate, grassroots, action-oriented nonprofit organization. That means we depend on the support from listeners like you to keep us alive. If you love what you hear on Heritage Radio Network, visit our website and become a member today. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support. I'm Steve Jenkins from Fairway Markets. I've devoted my idiot career to the old ways, the old recipes, the old tools, the old geography of where serious foods come from for centuries. And I've strived to make these wonderful things available to New Yorkers for 37 years. So it's a fait accompli for us to support Heritage Radio Network. And I hope you will too, and I hope you'll keep tuning in. For more information, please visit fairwaymarket.com. Hello, this is Mark Ladner from Del Posto, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Hey, and welcome back to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today I'm talking about growing a business with the co-founders of Baked Bakery, Matt Lewis and Renato Poliafito. Before the break, we were talking about the history of Baked and how you guys met and started a business together, but I want to talk about the details of how you guys have grown your business. So let's start with your day in the life. What is an average day in the life? I know right now it's a lot of construction, but what's an average day in the life look like for somebody who's running a business that's as busy and multi-pronged as Baked is right now? Well, I, I think Matt and I kind of split our responsibilities. Uh, so Matt's more, how would you describe your, your um, job? I work mainly with uh, the licensing partners or there are, are other businesses like the Whole Foods business with granola, the Williams-Sonoma business with our mixes and bakeware. Um, and also just kind of working because it seems like we always have a book coming out. <laughs> There's or always a book coming. I'm out. always working on the books. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's his defect. Like default. <laughs> I'm working. That's on a full time job. Yeah, it is a full time job, and I had no idea oh. getting into it. I thought I'd write it at night in between TV shows. Yeah, it didn't really just happen. a chapter a night. <laughs> Just ten nights. You'll be no, done. and it's also you know we test a lot of the books. Uh, I mean, recipe after recipe is tested, and that takes a lot more time than anticipated as well. Yeah, 
and that kind of bleeds into me where I'm more like on, on the ground where I'm working at the, at the shop doing the day to day stuff. So I'm dealing, I'm working with the general manager. I'm working with the front of house. I'm trying to make sure that the, um, the brand is represented right, that the customer service experience is being dealt with properly. Um, but then I'm also, you know, recipe testing. I'm also going to meetings with Matt and trying to kind of, you know, work on uh, partners. And- yeah. So uh, it's 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 a little mine. Mine is more of like a melange of things. <laughs> but we are exactly. not kicking back in the Hamptons. But you're, oh, God, it's funny no. that you mention that because all of my friends are like, why do you work so much? I, it's got to be so. E-. I'm like, they well, don't. They nobody quite understands when you own your own business. I think. Yeah. I, I think I'm pretty sure I say that every single day of my life. Like, I feel like I can only hang out with people who own their own businesses now because you understand why you want to eat dinner at 530. Yeah. Why you don't want to make late plans. Yes. Like, you have to get up early. Um, so speaking of early, what time do each of your work days start and when do they end? Oh, gosh. I do pretty much 7 a.m. till about 6, probably. I do. I do a little later. I do like 9 to 8. Those, that's like my day. Mm-hmm. Um I like to I like to sleep in. I like to wake up a little more naturally, and I try my best to do that as often as possible. You have a dog, don't you? I do. How do you do that with a dog? She's trained to oh go on the little... Oh, my goodness. Oh. Yeah. Welcome to my world. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, from dogs to goal setting, let's talk about how you guys make a plan for growth and how you achieve that. Do you guys set benchmarks for how you want to sort of achieve things growth-wise? We do. I mean, it's, it's a little more scattershot, I think, um, then, you know, ideally we would like to do it and we're trying to get much better at it. Mm-hmm. Um, we try to be a little bit, like I think Nada said, we try to be fearless about attacking like opportunities. And if an opportunity comes up, you know, I, I think we either throw ourselves full force into it and we've always done that in the past, but now maybe we think about it a little more or think through, you know, where will this lead us in the next couple of years? We actually have to, yeah, we have to kind of pick our battles, yeah. I think. And I think that's the goal moving forward because we're we're only two people, really. And before where we had, uh, you know, I don't even, I can't even say, I can't believe I'm saying this about myself, like boundless energy to kind of do things. <laughs> I don't know if that's there anymore. You know, it's like you have to be a little wiser and say, okay, let's look at this potential project or, you know, this opportunity, see how it's presenting itself, what the payoff will be, and either go with it or just say, you know, no thanks. I'm glad that you guys mentioned fear as an, an element in that because we did, I did a show a couple of weeks ago about the importance of risk. And mm-hmm. I think that's sort of a, a common connecting point between people who are achieving things in big, big ways. Um, what sort of risks have you taken to grow your business? And can you think of any examples of a moment where you felt like this is a huge chance, but we're going to take it? I think it? right now is our biggest mm-hmm. risk. Is, um, yeah. And, you know, to kind of back that up and kind of discuss what you mentioned earlier, you know, we've always kind of gone after it. We've always been fearless and except we've never opened another store before. So, you know, and people always ask us, why haven't you opened the next one? Because it is such a financial undertaking and also a stressful undertaking. We have watched from the sidelines while many people have opened a successful business in New York and replicated it several times over, or they've opened one here and then one in LA. And we've never done that because we felt that was a riskier proposition than licensing or, uh, writing another book or, 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 uh, you know, putting together some granola. So I think this right now for us is our biggest thing, this opening a Tribeca store. Mm-hmm. How do you guys know when it's time to grow? What's that sort of marker or the feeling you have when you can tell it's time to try something new? Oh gosh. I don't know. Investor, I think is a, <laughs> is a good incentive. Um, you know, I feel that 
in a way, we uh, hit a stride, I think, with, with Baked and Red Hook, you know, where we got to a point where I think we got as close to relaxing in, on a Hamptons beach or whatever. And we did Hamptons have that house. moment. We, there was a moment where it was just like, okay, this is manageable. I can do this. I still work a lot, but I have, like, my weekends are free, and I can go take a vacation. And then, crazy, crazy, we decided, like, okay, now it's time to expand. And so now we're at that place again where... It is constant. It is all the time. Um, it's a gut feeling, I think. Yeah. I mean, we never, again, it wasn't really in our business plan, like, on this date, we'll op- go out and look for a store. We'd always entertain Manhattan, and everybody and Manha- else has kind of pushed us that way, so... Yeah, Manhattan was, like, kind of a dream of ours, but we wanted to make sure that it was uh, done right. Well And we didn't want to... Yeah, and financed in a way, and, you know, we were we partnered with the right person, and, you know, again, we've had those opportunities, we've pursued many opportunities, we've seen a ton of spaces. We really looked for a solid year before the Tribeca location. Oh, yeah. There's I not mean, a lot of spaces, surprisingly. Oh, my God. And they're just... They're, they're so expensive, and they're so horribly like they're just caves and you just have to go in and spend a million dollars to just make it look like a space you know so it's tough it's 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 really a tough thing how do you guys maintain quality control when you're expanding constantly so i think this hard. is and i this is something i ask people who i think have achieved the types of success you guys have achieved and nobody ever has a good answer I'm, it, I'm it is it is, is we talk about it every day and it's like my the for me, it's the bane of my existence. It's, it's an like, obsession to it some is, degree. I'm, I have like a, a level of ADD. Uh, not ADD, OCD. I think you have ADD. <laughs> I have ADD. I have, have OCD. OCD. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, for me, it's like I love the perfection in things, like the, the simplicity in things, just, uh, you know, organization and, and just things looking just as perfect as they can possibly be. For me, that is like, it's better than eating it, you know? Um but of course, I you know quality control in terms of how it looks, how it tastes, all that. It's a it's a daily battle, even with co- employees you've had forever. And it's it, it, I, you know battle is a strong word, but it's like you're it's a it's a give and take, and making sure that they're doing it right. And you know, being a bakery where you're um, given like custom cake orders all the time, and you have to like interpret that cake for the customer. It's it's always like you're always um, encountering these challenges, like every day. So it's, it's yeah, it's hiring the right employees. And again, we didn't open the ten stores yet, and I think maybe that was one of the reasons is we were concerned about quality control. Yeah, so just making sure that if someone were to walk into the Tribeca store and walk into the Red Hook store, that if they asked for the same exact thing, they would get the same exact thing. And we'll see how that works out. Yep. <laughs> Um, how do you guys maintain your original business spirit when you're growing so quickly? Um, is that something you guys return to on a regular basis? Like, are we still kind of sticking to the core values we started with? Or do you feel like just being so closely a part of the day-to-day business keeps you in that same spirit? You no, know, I think it's inherent in us, um, pretty much. I yeah. mean, you know, our vision is slightly different, but I would say more so it overlaps. Um, and we've never done anything that felt off. I mean, we did... We have explored opportunities. I think you even brought one up uh, in one of the quest- pre-questions about um, Dubai. It just didn't feel right. Yeah. And, you know, it didn't feel right from a couple of perspectives, mainly branding. 
um, and also just personally just didn't work. So, have you ever been to Dubai? No, I haven't. Uh, <laughs> For anyone listening, there was a, ch- a chance that you guys might have expanded there under like a franchise yes. capability. And everybody's there. So you get there and your eyes get really wide. I mean, Shake Shack has a, a huge outpost there. I think they have 25. Um, yeah. uh, Magnolia Bakery has a huge outpost. But again, I mean, it, it just seems like a track a lot of successful restaurateurs go or food businesses go. It just did not feel right for us it didn't especially for the second location i mean I red feel- hook in dubai just seems very strange <laughs> just on the window on the window yeah um i feel that uh, you know even though we're a pretty big business at this point we're still very mom and pop matt and i are still so hands-on so the idea of having a location in dubai and licensing and franchising however appealing it just didn't seem like true to us at the time and still now i mean you know yeah, even st- opening up this second shop is like we're doing it ourselves. Every step of the way, every decision is us. Yeah. I love that. So that leads perfectly into my last question. I find so much of a business's ability to grow and succeed is about asking for what you really want. And I think you know what you really want when you stay in touch with yourself. What are your big picture goals and things that you guys would like to achieve that you really kind of want to make sure baked gets done? Oh, wow. I think there's a bunch of them. And I think Nato and I probably have slightly different ones. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, <laughs> you, you start first. with yours. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think a lot of uh, just, you know, friends or acquaintances assume we want to open like 50 of these. I don't think that is the goal at all. I think a couple of more standalone businesses that still feel unique each location. Um, I'm getting really into bread all of a sudden. I would love to do something more with bread. Uh, I have this like, you know, the artisanal loaf is just very sexy to me for some reason. I feel like that could still happen in New York somewhere. Um, I think I've heard sexy artisanal loaf <laughs> together in a while. You're talking to the wrong people. <laughs> so I think just a couple more locations. I do like the licensing business. I think it is a lot of fun, especially when you work with a, um, you know, a partner that wants to stay true to your vision as well. Mm-hmm. And it's a little less uh, financial overhead. Yeah. It's a way to expand, get your name out there, um, become kind of global or national however you want it without overreaching as for me i mean i i think that you know it jumps back to quality control and and the the product if we can if i can get to a point where our the quality and the uh look of our product is consistent and perfect and i think we're super super close i wouldn't mind having like maybe like half a dozen stores but i would love them to be like new york la tokyo (laughs) london rome you know, and just have this kind of global presence, only have a few locations, but be able to offer the American, a true American dessert experience in Rome. Oh, my God. You know, and then I get to go to Rome, you know. There it is. Yeah. So <laughs> now we know why. There you go. If you guys could look back and give yourselves 10 years ago one piece of advice based on what you know now, oh. running baked, what would you tell yourselves? I mean, honestly, I think we and we've kind of discussed this and we've talk to other people about this. I I still think a lot of businesses are undercapitalized when they open. Um, And I probably can't stress it enough. Just really make sure you're capitalized fully. It's like kind of, I think it's a business 101 thing to have six months in the bank. We didn't do that. Um, And it was not fun. So I, I think it would make life easier to make sure you know what you're in for financially. And also to have that money behind you where you're not worried about how am I going to pay for my MTA ticket today? Yeah. Kind of thing. I would say, uh, you know, I, I would agree with Matt. I would say also have a clear vision of your brand and what you want to say to everyone. Because everyone's going to come in and, you know, 
ask, what what is this? What's going on here? And consistency, I, I think, is super important. But also, yeah, make sure you have enough money. Mm-hmm. It sounds silly, but I mean, I think it is kind of just the number one thing. It's yeah. an important thing to drive home. Budget yourself. Like, create a budget, you know? Super important. Valuable advice. Um, I love listening to you guys. I feel like you, this is my last show before a vacation break, and I feel like you guys are the perfect culmination of all these shows we've been doing about how important it is to take a risk and to stay true to who you are and how those things pay off in terms of allowing your business to grow quickly without it getting totally out of control. Mm-hmm. So thank you for being so honest about your, your business plan. Oh, yes, um, <laughs> before we go, we have some quick rapid-fire questions so you can oh. turn off your like super pro business okay. brain and just relax. So <laughs> The first one is, what's the very first website you load in the morning? Oh my gosh, Facebook. Yeah. Facebook. <laughs> what about you, Matt? Uh, Gawker. Is that terrible that I Ooh, said that? That oh. feels old school. It now. does feel I old like school, that. yeah. <laughs> what is the person or a person you both look up to when time is tough? Like, you're familiar with that phrase, like, what would so and so do? Who's your WW person? Oh, I'm oddly obsessed with Danny Meyer and the way he grew his business. Very good choice. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I don't know. I mean, I. You I could don't say know. Matt Lewis. Yeah, no. <laughs> that would definitely not be it, but I have to pass on that one. We'll pass. All right. What's a brand that each of you can't get enough of? Heath Ceramics. Oh my. They yeah. take it. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah, same. I love I, Heath Ceramics. I just want to cover myself in Heath Ceramics. Good one. Not, yeah. a, not a bad way to go. Yeah. I'd love to be covered in these. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite Instagram feed or trend? Oh, I know you have a bunch. I don't want to take any of yours. <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead. Go first. I'm just trying to remember the name. All right. Matt, you start. Do you have a trend? Um, I don't have a trend, but I, um, I obviously I love your feed. I'm also kind of like, I love Deb's at Smitten Kitchen. I love the way she doesn't always just post food. And it's like these beautiful beach scenes. I don't know. I, I, it's kind of unexpected. You know who I love? And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm having a little renaissance with her right now. But with the Wednesday chef, I love her feed. Like, I think it's just... Louisa Weiss. Yeah, Louisa Weiss. I think it's just honest and pretty. And I don't know. I, 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 I'm enjoying that a lot right now. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, final question. What's a trend, a style, a designer, or a brand that you hope makes it big this year? What do you want to see more of in the world? Oh, that's a hard question. Hmm. It can be as simple as artisanal loaves that are very sexy. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, I would love to see... I mean, I, I don't know if you're familiar um, with uh, Chad at uh, Tartine, but he has this amazing kind of um, ancient grains loaf. And for some reason, it's sort of kind of making its way across the U.S. to New York. I would love to see more bread in New York and not be afraid of gluten so much. I mean, I understand gluten allergies, and I have several friends with them, but I would love to kind of embrace it again. Yeah. And along that vein, I'm, Matt knows how excited I am. We're going to have um, toast at the new, at the new bakery. <laughs> so I'm really excited. For, I love toast, and I've always loved toast, and I love that it's having this thing right having now, this, this moment. So I'm super excited about the toast program at Baked. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to leave us all today with a quote from Aleister Crowley about change and about growth. And um, it goes something like this. The joy of life consists in the exercise of one's energies, continual growth, constant change, the enjoyment of every new experience. To stop means simply to die. The eternal mistake of mankind is to set up an attainable ideal. And I think that's really what you guys have embodied. You are always raising the bars for yourself. And whether or not you're a bakery or a blogger, I think you guys are a wonderful influence in our community. So thanks for doing everything. Thank you. Um, For everybody (laughs) listening, where can they find you online and where can we find all your goodies? 
Oh, my gosh. Well, you can go to the website. It's uh, www.bakednyc.com. Um, we also have a Facebook uh, account. Uh, we have an Instagram account. Instagram Which is, is different. Let's say it's, that one. Yeah, uh, that's uh, Brooklyn Baker. Brooklyn Baker. You could follow me personally as well. I post food sometimes. <laughs> it's Nato in Brooklyn. Um, and then the Twitter is... Uh, Brooklyn Baker as well. Brooklyn Baker as well. So there Perfect. we are. Thank you so much, Matt and Renato, for joining me today. And thanks to all of you for listening. Tune in next week when we'll revisit two of my favorite episodes from After the Jumps archives. Until then, have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.